Hello and welcome to The Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My triumphantly returning co-host, Sean is here. Good afternoon. And we have just read chapter 10 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. A lot happens in this chapter after not much happening in the last two chapters. A lot of shit goes down. So they're at Southerton. They're hanging out in the wilderness. Fanny's just been abandoned by... Miss Crawford and Edmund. Then Mariah and Mr. Crawford and Mr. Rushworth turn up. They send off Mr. Rushworth to get a key. Then Mariah and Mr. Crawford walk around the gate, which they should not do. Possibly it's foreshadowing bad things they will do together later. Julia turns up, pissed off, follows them. Then Mr. Rushworth turns up, also pissed off, a little bit disappointed. Fanny convinces him to follow them. Then Fanny finally decides to go and search for Edmund and Miss Crawford. She finds them. They have completely forgotten about her, went to the avenue without her, and then they're like, let's go back to the house. So they do nothing in the house, wait for everybody else to turn up. Everybody else is still pissed off. Then they have dinner, and then they drive home in the carriage, and Mrs. Norris has been sponging everything she could possibly get her hands on. Four pheasant eggs, an exotic feast, and a cream cheese. Mm. She has done well out of the day. Oh, but she had to really persuaded to, to take it. Nearly crying. <laughs> and it was in gratitude for curing the gardener's son's egg with a, with a charm. With she a said charm. she'd sent him a charm. Oh, horrible woman. <laughs> so we start with Fanny beginning to be surprised at being left alone so long. Then Mr. Rushworth... Mr. Crawford and Mariah turn up and Mariah says, how ill you have been used by them. You'd better have stayed with us and then completely ignores her and talks to the boys. Sits down with a boy on either side of her. Ignores Fanny. It's quite a funny picture though. Mr. Crawford comes up with ideas and whatever he proposed was immediately approved first by Mariah and then by Mr. Rushworth, who scarcely risked an original thought of his own. This is one of the interesting things I think about women at any time. As mothers or dominating aunties, you can have a huge influence over your children. And particularly when you're a widow, because you don't have to refer to a husband. So you have Mrs. Rushworth. He's the gentleman that's going to own and manage this big estate. She's not given him any effective training or sense of his own worth as being the major landowner. So she's very derelict in her duty there. As a woman, though, would she have been able to train him? Well, she's taken over control herself. She already has the whip hand. She could, as his mother, made sure he had good tutors and things like that and had a very effective estate agent who would, mm. would train him. Were there no male relatives? But she does seem to like dominating him. She does. Particularly comes out, he doesn't have confidence in himself which is why he doesn't trust his own judgment in terms of anything unless it's been endorsed by Mariah and Henry. I just assume that he was wanting to make Mariah happy, going along with everything she said, but that makes a lot of sense. Well, I think, yes, he does want to make Mariah happy, and he'd have almost gone with her, whatever she said. A lot of that was also he didn't have faith in his own judgment. And to talk about it not being an original thought, he hasn't thought about it. Where, as a proper estate owner, he would have been thinking about these things from 
quite a young age as a young man because it would have been part of his training. What else do I need to do to be maintaining the income of my estate to maintain its attractiveness? Yeah, you get the idea that until he saw his friend Smith's place, this had never occurred to him. No. So it's all part of, I need to be part of a fashion because those types of improvements, they don't add value. They're an ornamentation. Those estates are all about earning money. Poor, poor Fanny still sitting there being ignored. Having to listen to all this. It gets worse because they send Mr. Rushworth off to get the key to this gate they want to go through. And then she has to sit there and listen to Mr. Crawford flirt with Mariah. He says, I do not think I shall ever see Southerton again with so much pleasure as I do now. Another summer will hardly improve it to me. Indicating you're going to be living here, you will be married. I won't be able to be. I will be heartbroken. Yes. Then he plays Julia and Mariah off each other. Oh, he does. Uh, That Julia is more easily amused and better company. Which makes Mariah feel trapped and she goes up to the gate and is talking about restraint and hardship and I cannot get out, as the starling said. Mr. Crawford says, I imagine you wouldn't do anything without Mr. Rushworth's authority and protection. He's taunting her. Yes, he is. He really is. And meanwhile, Fanny's witness to all this. And remember, Fanny is an observer. When you think of her treatment by Mrs. Norris, she's been abused. Mm. Now, one of the things about abused children, abused people, is they're very, very good at picking up far less overt signals. Other people might watch this and just think he's being charming. She will be able to pick up, I believe... Because she's had to watch her words and watch her things going on around her so much more carefully, she will be really seeing what's going on. And she knows Mariah really well, so she can see how this is impacting on Mariah. I thought she never really thought that Mr Rushworth and Mariah were a good match. We know that Edmund didn't think they were, and whatever Edmund thinks is what Fanny thinks. That's very true. Mariah's a very strong character, a very impulsive But she's been used to having her own way. She would have walked all over Mr. Rushworth. Basically giving him the relationship that he has with his mother. Yes. Which probably would have been comfortable for him. The only problem being that Mrs. Rushworth was not comfortable with that because she still wanted to be in charge. What Mariah's looking at is that actually she would be under the thumb of Mrs. Rushworth. She's already had enough of Mrs. Norris and the father. There's a couple of little snippets in here that shows Mariah and Julia being more human, Julia a little bit further on. You know, they acknowledge that Fanny's not been well used by being left there and abandoned. She then completely went on and did the same. Mm. But that's a lot of it is because her emotion and everything got out of control. It's interesting you brought up again about Fanny as an observer. I was trying to explain Mansfield Park to someone and they said, what is the driver? It's a little bit difficult because the main character, Fanny is passive for like 60-70% of the novel. The action goes on around her and she watches it, but she's not involved. And that is so unusual. That's one of the challenges that so many of us have now. We're used to books where your protagonist, your main character, is right there in front all the time. And they make things happen. Yes. Mr Crawford goes on to convince Mariah that they can walk around the gate. Fanny says, you will tear your gown. Desperately trying to persuade her not to do it. 
and she's sorry for everything she had seen and heard, astonished at Miss Bertram and angry with Mr. Crawford. A lot of people think this is a precursor to them running off together, which happens later in the book. He's leading her down the garden path. She's possibly getting a hole in her dress, like a hole in her reputation. I don't take it that way at all. I just think it's more about illustrating the characters, her impulsivity, his opportunism. He should not have been encouraging her to take a risky venture be to her reputation to address and leaving Fanny behind. There are a lot of couples wandering around by themselves in trees for an hour or more. They could be getting up to anything. They may be in the grounds of someone's house, but they could be doing anything in those grounds. Because once you're out of sight around the corner, it was risky. It was not appropriate. Edmund and Mary was a little less risky, probably, by nature of his reputation for being an upright man, being a vicar. But even so... Because Fanny has a thought that she would like to know what they were talking about while they were gone. But definitely Mariah and Mr Crawford should not have gone on on their own. So Fanny is abandoned again. Then Julia turns up, has a good rant, basically says, you always get out of trouble. Fanny tries to convince her to stay for Mr. Rushworth. She says, I've had enough of the family for one morning. I have but this moment escaped from his horrible mother. The mother I could not avoid, but the son I can get away from. And she storms off. They're just two spoiled teenagers. You could imagine them doing TikTok and stuff like that and ranting <laughs> on it. You know, it would just be, oh, here they go. Centre of the world's. Mr. Rushworth turns up. Poor Fanny just sitting here and these people turning up. And he oh, is quite despondent and says, are you such a great admirer of this Mr. Crawford as some people are? Then goes on to refer to him as an undersized man. <laughs> Not handsome because he's only five foot nine. Five foot nine. These Crawfords are no addition at all. We did very well without them. And Fanny did not know how to contradict him. <laughs> She's jealous of Miss Crawford and Edmund. It's a low-level jealousy, but it's there. Mm. And she can see what Mr. Crawford's doing, and she does not approve. Mm. She manages it to convince him to go, though. So she's a good soul from that perspective. I often thought that she and Mr. Rushworth should have got together. Sure, she wasn't probably fancy enough for Mrs. Rushworth, but she would look after him. He wanted someone pretty and good status, and rather than looking for someone who was good mm. and would care for him. Yes, Fanny is in love with Edmund, so it would not happen, but possibly, you know... He could have had any other woman with his income. He could have made a much better choice. Rather than the prettiest girl at the ball, look for the kindest one. Mm. Fanny decides to go look for Edmund because she's been waiting for him forever. And he says that he had wished for her very much, that he should certainly have come back for her had she not been tired already. But it's made pretty clear that he just forgot she existed and how long he'd been gone. And it's also an excuse. He's very good at making up excuses. You know, I thought you were tired, therefore I wasn't going. It's like, mm, actually... I wasn't sure if you're tired, but if I think you're tired, then I don't have to go and do something. I don't have to distract myself from this really engaging, this exciting woman. Fanny realises when they all get back to the house that hers was not the only dissatisfied bosom amongst them. There was gloom on the face of Julia and Mr Rushworth. 
But Mariah and Mr. Crawford had had a great time. They have dinner quickly, then get in the carriage, and Mrs. Norris has all her presents from the day. I love this. A lovely line here. Oh, what else have you been sponging? From Mariah. (laughs) It's actually quite a shame because they're not unintelligent girls, but they've been brought up by the worst possible female influence, two of them. No, their mother basically neglected them altogether, so she abrogated her responsibilities to them. They have potential to be good people. They had good potential because they're not intrinsically mean. Yes, they did a little bit of bullying to Fanny. More out of thoughtlessness. Not true, mean-spirited. Not a Mrs Norris nasty. My mother kept commenting as we were reading that this book is full of selfish characters. Mm. And yeah, apart from Fanny... Pretty much everyone's selfish. Yeah. Maybe Mrs Grant. I quite like Mrs Grant. We don't really see much of her, but we're told about how kind she is and how fun and nice. And when they're doing the acting, she keeps laughing and she's having a great time and she's happy to go and sit with Lady Bertram. And then she's sad when she has to leave Mansfield because she like really cared about the people that live there. And, mm. and Mrs Grant is quite lovely. Mm. It's interesting that she is the Crawford's sister. She's about 10 years older than they are. She's 30. she had a much better upbringing. They were exposed too much to the Admiral. The nature versus nurture thing is very interesting, and I think you can see it play out in this book because Edmund and Tom had the same upbringing. They had the same upbringing-ish as their sisters. Yes and no, because the thing is you, as one of many siblings you actually realise you don't have the same upbringing because time influences what your parents are able to do with you. So the difference between, say, the eldest child, who may end up with responsibility for younger children, the middle children who are often creating the peace between everybody, younger children who are either completely overlooked or they're completely spoiled. What seems to be completely spoiled, but it's often because by the time the younger children come along, The parents may be more well-off, so they have more opportunities to spend on them. And also they've got older children to look after them and things like that too. In my family, I think myself and all my siblings are reasonably good people. But you look at the Bertrams, and Edmund's the only good person amongst them. They're all very selfish. I don't get any sense of maliciousness out of them. Beyond the original bit, whereas to me it's more of that childish maliciousness you can often get. They don't really treat Fanny like Cinderella. They don't have them slaving over them or anything. Mrs Norris does, but they didn't. They just think of her as a bit of a non-entity because she's so quiet and can't take part in all the things. They certainly, I think, have their eyes quite wide open about Mrs Norris. Julia particularly, I think, views Mrs Norris with contempt now. It was interesting because Julia actually reminded me of Mrs Norris in this chapter. She was unhappy and she took it out on Fanny. I've read a a sequel, obviously not written by Jane Austen, where Julia, or Mrs Yates, as she became, actually became Mrs Norris. Her character was all over Mrs Norris. Oh, how awful. When I first read that book, I thought it came out of the blue, but reading this, I go, yeah, I could see, because she victimises Fanny again. And that is our summary of Chapter 10 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading.
Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!